Welcome to The Lens, hosted by Catalysis, where we get a glimpse inside healthcare organizations that are transforming to a culture of improvement to deliver continually higher value outcomes for patients, staff, and communities. Visit createvalue.org slash the lens for more information about Catalysis. Thank you for tuning into The Lens. I'm your host, Peter Maria Hazi. Today, I'm joined by Ori Fume, the former VP of Finance and Admin at Wiremold and co-author of the Shingo Prize-winning book, Real Numbers, Management, Accounting, in a Lean Organization, and co-author of the Lean Strategy. Catalysis is also glad to have Ori serve on our board of directors and as the chair of our audit committee. We're discussing the importance of good metrics and how to use them. Hi, Ori. Thank you for joining us today. Good afternoon, Peter. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, Ori, coming from manufacturing, you know, please just start, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey to organizational excellence through lean and finance, which is kind of a different, different thought process for our listeners. <laughs> How long do you have? <laughs> the, uh, you know, I joined Wiremold. I was in public accounting uh, for eight years. And then when I left public accounting, joined Wiremold as their CFO in 1978 and uh you know was traditionally educated traditionally practiced everything that i had learned in school and etc and uh and wiremold was a you know family-owned company up in connecticut and it did very well it was a leader in its business product group um profitable and you know from 1978 through um the 1990s, uh, 1980s, for the most part, every year was better than the last. And uh, and I I can't say this is typical, but at least you know when I looked at the financial statements every month and sh showed that we were getting better, I said, "Yep, okay, that shows it. We're good." And uh, you know, file the financial statements away. Uh, very honestly, and never use those financial statements to figure out why we were getting better. It just showed that we were, and that was good enough. And then we ran into, ran into a really tough patch in the late 80s. Uh, and uh, between 1980, uh, let's see, 87 and 90, our operating income went down 82%. And if you take 82% away from anything, there's not a lot left. And so when I started using the financial statements to try to figure out why we were having problems and you know why we we're losing money and um, they were useless. You know, they were traditional standard cost accounting statements and they were absolutely useless in telling me what was going wrong. And so we started playing with some alternate ways of displaying financial information that would make things more transparent. And we came up with something that today is widely known as the plain English P&L. And, uh, and, you know, as they say, the rest is history. Sounds like, like quite a revelation and, and almost, as they say, let no crisis, you know, go unused. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because when Art Byrne joined the Wiremill company as our CEO in 91, 
he already had experience at Danaher, another manufacturing company. And, and so he was well-versed in lean and he understood um, the pitfalls of standard cost accounting. And so when he first got there, he kind of sat down with me and said, you know, we got to do something different than standard cost accounting. So I, we had been doing this uh, plain English PL for probably a year and a half at that point. So, uh, so I kind of whipped it out and said, you know, how about this? And he looked at me and said, yep, that'll do. There you go. There you go. Good for you. Now, many times um, we hear when we're working with organizations that they, you know, they're, they're used to being given tools and lean and tactics and lean, but I've heard you say that lean is a strategy. Can you elaborate on that? That's, I think, an important concept. Sure. Um, actually, it's, it's the first thing that Art Byrne taught to us when he came to Wiremold in 1991. Um, one of the first slides he put up uh, in his initial presentation was um, what lean is and what lean is not. And what he said was lean is not a manufacturing tactic, even though it started at Toyota. Lean is not a cost reduction program. Lean is a complete business strategy. Now, that doesn't mean we don't spend a lot of time in operations because that's where most of the value is created for our customers. And that doesn't mean we don't reduce cost over time. We do, but that's a byproduct of implementing a lean strategy. Okay, so and I, th I think the reason why most companies fail in their lean efforts is because they fail to recognize that lean is a strategy. And they try to do they try to implement lean tools and, and programs and improvement events um, while they're running their business. I mean, the reality is you can't do that. Lean needs to be the way you run your business. It's not something you do while you run your business. Gotcha, it's really the umbrella. It, it's, well, it becomes your DNA. Yeah. It literally becomes, and it, it, if you think about it more broadly, whether a company picks a lean strategy or some other strategy, everything it does needs to work towards achieving that strategy. So if a company chooses to follow a lean strategy, everything they do, they have to become that strategy. Gotcha. That helps. So you know, we, we set this up talking about metrics. There's a lot of interest in healthcare about metrics, you know, a lot of measurements of many, many things. Oh, yes. Why, why are <laughs> metrics important? Um, you know, when, when you think about companies, whether they be manufacturing companies or banks or healthcare organizations, companies are really just a collection of people, okay? And so my company is a collection of people trying to satisfy another company called a customer that's a, or a patient. That's a collection of people better than a third group of people called a competitor. Okay. So in the end, when we talk about, you know, becoming lean and becoming lean thinkers, it's really all about people. It's not about the machines and it's not about the operating rooms or it's about people, okay? 
And, and what we're trying to do is go from a traditional thinking organization to a lean thinking organization. And that's really a big cultural change. And, and when you think about culture, culture, you see culture in the behavior of the people. Okay, that's the manifestation of whatever culture exists in that organization is in how people behave. Okay, so when any organization sets a metric, there is an unspoken subtext to that metric that basically says me, the boss, thinks that this thing I want to measure is important and you, the employee, need to take need to pay attention to it okay now employees being human want to want their bosses to think they're paying attention okay that's how we keep our jobs right mm -hmm. uh so so in in fact then metrics affect behavior okay so if we want to change the culture of a company and therefore the behavior of the people within the company, we can use metrics to help achieve that. I see, that helps. So then how should management use the metrics to help with the behavior? Well, let me ask you a question first. And it's a trick question. Who are the principal users of metrics? Typically, it's the leadership and, and executives and management that tends to be the ones who use the metrics. Right, but the reality is the metrics are there for the workers. The metrics are there for the workers to know whether they're doing what's expected of them. Okay, management are really the secondary users of metrics, not mm -hmm. the primary users. And, and there's a great quote that I use in, in when I do uh, workshops, and uh, it's, it's kind of a guy named uh, Rowan Gibson. And he basically says, leaders should be judged by the numbers that they deliver or conversely don't deliver, but that's now that, not how they should run the business on a day-to-day -day basis. Wow. Okay. Uh, and, and Art Byrne, who's again, you know, one of the best, that I've ever met uh, uh, when it comes to lean, basically says very simply, you know, the winners are gonna be those organizations that focus on their processes, not their results. And so I get a, a lot of people get confused by that sometimes because I know I've heard people say, well, you know, you lean people, all you're interested in is processes. You don't care about results, okay? The reality is that's that's really not true. If if you look at the old wire mold, when we were focused on results, 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 when we were getting good results, that kind of amounted to winning the lottery, right? Because we didn't know how we got those good results. Uh -huh. Okay, so you know when you win the lottery, there's no guarantee you can buy another ticket and win it a second time. Okay. So, so when you get good results and don't know how you got them or why you got them, that's like winning a lottery. So what we're interested in is focusing on the things that create good results, which are the processes, because everything we do is in the context of a process. So at Wiremo, we're interested in process and results with the objective that, that we wanted to make sure 
as much as best as possible, that when we got good results, they were repeatable. And if we didn't good, good, get good results, we could go back to the processes that we thought were gonna create good results and find and look and see what happened to, to disappoint us. So really it's the, the process that, you know, with the good process, you'll get the results. And, and if you don't get the results, then you go back to the process and that but helps you understand set that, that stage. Mm-hmm. Most, most organizations do not have a clue as to what goes on within their processes. They, Senior leadership may think they do, but they're totally disconnected. Okay. So, you know, to be honest in, in today, especially in today's day and age, and, and especially with what they're all going through, no one ever feels that they have enough resources to do what they want or need to do and are trying to improve productivity. And in the past, you've said that wire mold average productivity gains of 14% a year during the first 10 years of implementing its lean strategy. Can you talk a little bit about how wire mold achieved that kind of improvement for those 10 years? Sure. Uh, you know, most companies think in terms of monetary units, dollars, euros, pesos, whatever. Okay. Um, and and it's, it's really difficult to analyze just about anything when you're dealing just with monetary units. In every monetary unit, let's say, let's say dollars, okay? When we talk about a dollar, that's really the product of two things, okay? It's quantity and price. So when we talk about revenue dollars, it's the units of whatever we sell times the unit price of each of those things. Okay, so in healthcare, it's the type of surgeries we do versus the cost, the price, the price of each of those surgeries. Um, materials we use, it's the, in Warmel's case, the tons of steel, the pounds of steel that we use times the price per pound. In a hospital setting, it might be the, oh, I don't know, tanks of oxygen we use times the price per tank. Uh, labor cost. It's a number of hours people work times the rate per hour that we pay them. Okay, and any overhead item, uh, electricity, it's kilowatt kilowatt hours consumed times the rate per kilowatt hour. Okay, productivity is the relationship between quantities, between the quantity in and the quantity out, between resources consumed and what we created with those resources. It's that relationship which is productivity. Now the unit prices of all these things are important, but they're called price recovery. Okay, my labor costs went up 5% this year. Can I get it back by raising my selling prices? Okay, that's price recovery. And in any organization, it's very difficult. There's only a small handful of people that have any control over prices, be it buying, prices of what you buy things for, or prices that you set for revenue. Especially in healthcare, basically the insurance companies that set prices and Medicare. And uh, so, so price recovery is an important discussion, but is different in productivity. Okay, so it's a resource-based concept. It's a physical-based concept. Okay, so basically, when we talk about lean being and strategy, I, I refer to it as a time-based strategy. 
Because what it says is we're trying to reduce the amount of time it takes to do everything we do. Now, if you look at um, anything we do, and it's in the context of a process, okay? And, and the output of that process can be in one of three states at any given time. It could be being worked on, it could be waiting to be worked on, or it could be moving from point A to point B in order to wait to be worked on, okay? The only thing that adds value for the customer is when something is being worked on, okay? Waiting and moving don't create value. That's why we call them waste, okay? So if you look at the elapsed time from step one to step last in most business processes, and I suspect in most operating processes within healthcare, the elapsed time you'll find that generally 90% or more of the elapsed time is waiting and moving. Okay, so what we do is we want to eliminate, so certainly within the work being done, there are some activities that don't add value too. Okay, but even if let's say work time is 10%, and let's say even half of that is activities don't add value, there's still 5% of the total. We still got 90% that we can do something about in terms of eliminating waiting and moving. When you do that, you free up resources. You free up people time, you free up machine time, you free up operating room time, you free up lots of time that you can do more uh, evaluating activities with. Okay, so for example, at Wiremold, in our biggest plant in West Hartford, over a 10 year period, we doubled the output of that plant with the same number of people. Okay, because we eliminated all of the time that wasn't adding value for the customer. Waiting, moving, and some work time. Okay. Now, one of the things that you get to recognize is because we said productivity is a physical based concept, you can only create a productivity improvement by making physical change. Okay, it's not a financial concept. You can't do some financial wizardry and get a productivity gain. You have to physically change something. Okay, so at Wiremold, we did things like grouping our products and product families. So they they call value streams, okay? We, we basically change process layout within those value streams to eliminate the wasted time within that process. We physically eliminated internal storerooms, central storerooms, and had materials uh, stored at the point of use. Um, in, in the office, we physically located like our marketing and our product development people because we saw we had a lot of wasted time in the product development process. Much of it was due to lack of communication between those two groups of people because they sat at opposite ends of a big building. So we basically co-located them in the same room. They couldn't help but talk to each other. Um, you know, so we, we did, we, in, in accounting, 
I moved our credit people into customer service because they spent a lot of their day talking to customer service people on the phone. And there was a lot of phone tag going on back and forth. Now, that doesn't mean I gave up uh, my control over the credit function from an accountability standpoint, but they didn't have to sit next to me for, the, for me to exercise that. So I imagine at each of those points, again, in the concept of cascading metrics, you know, you encouraged the people in those areas to, okay, measure the things that are important and how are you doing and what are those improvements so that those would flow up to the overall metrics that the organization was looking for yeah. as a whole. Yeah, that, that is, that's true. And, and the, um, the, the other thing, you know, when we're talking about productivity, okay, again, think, think about what, what I said, we went, we doubled the size, we doubled the output of that plant in West Hartford, with the same number of people, okay? That, if you talked about cost reduction in terms of absolute dollars over those 10 years, we didn't achieve any, cost stayed the same. However, our labor cost as a percentage of the revenue went down dramatically. So you, get, you have to rethink how you define cost reduction. So if, if we double the volume, I'm giving, I don't remember the exact numbers. Hypothetically, if labor was 10% when we started, if we double the volume with the same number of people, it's 5%. Well, so well, I thank you for that. That's, that's good because it's, it's that percentage or that ratio. So you've hit it at it a little bit time. So, you know, if we, if we, tap you with a magic wand and make you, you know, we're ask you to work with healthcare organizations. What kind of metrics do you think healthcare organizations should really focus on using that analogy? Cause you've touched on it a touch. And I think that'd be of interest. <laughs> you know, every workshop that I do, the question comes up from somebody says, you know what? So, okay. I understand all this now. What metrics should my company have? Okay. And my response is pretty standard. I don't know, okay? And the reason I don't know is because I don't know your organization well enough to tell you what they should be. You know, again, we're trying to, we're trying to use metrics to understand whether people are doing what we want them to do to achieve our lean strategy. Company, in fact, even with Enwiremo, we had 18 plants. Every plant was at a different stage of its lean journey. And based on so they would have had different metrics based on the stage they were at. Yeah. And, and, and also based on what you said, I would think they would want to have metrics on, you talked about waiting, right? How long are people waiting? We did a podcast earlier where uh, one organization, their waiting room is now empty because they've gotten rid of that waste. So um, that seems like that would be an important part for them to consider is think about the processes and where's the wait and where's the transit. And if you focus on those, you're gonna make some really good progress and then you can keep drilling down. Amongst others. See what basically what, the, the answer to your question really is, what are the attributes of a good performance measurement system? Okay. So before you even decide which metrics you need, you need to understand what, what, what's the definition of a good performance measurement system, okay? 
And so, you know, I use a, a list of, I don't know, a dozen, 15 items. Um, but, you know, number one is it needs to, the metrics need to support the lean strategy. That's number one. You know, the other thing is in any given area, I don't think there should be too many. Okay, I think you have too many, you get people to lose focus on what's really important. Um, most of them should be non-financial. They should focus on the quantities of whatever it is you're measuring, be it time or uh, materials, or, or, you know, focus on the quantity of the resource being consumed. Okay, because the, the people doing their job have no control over the price, either the revenue price or the purchase price. So you want to focus on what they can control, which is the utilization of resource. There you go. Okay. Um, so, so, and essentially you want to motivate the right behavior for the people doing the job. Okay. And that's, and, and to do that, the metrics have to be simple and easy to understand by the people doing the work. If you make, and I've seen some pretty convoluted metrics to tell you the truth in some organizations and very, you know, if I stand there and I look at it and I don't understand it, there's no way the people doing the work are going to understand it. it. It's, you know, I mean, most people, um, and even in healthcare, you know, healthcare probably has on average, I would say a higher level of educated people than a manufacturing company. Okay. Um, but even then, you know, you got to be, they're, they're educated in, in, in certain skills and certain, certain things they need to do for their job. They may not have the ability to understand complicated metrics. Um, so you got to make, make sure that they're easy to understand. There's a whole list of these things. Um, you mentioned before the, the book, Real Numbers, that I wrote with uh, Gene Cummingham. In uh, chapter three of that book, that, that whole chapter is dedicated to metrics and talks about the attributes of a good measurement system. Good to know. Good to know. Well, thank you, Ori. That's, that's very insightful, just, you know, especially being able to cascade it down to the people doing the work so they can see it and understand it and, and, and change their behaviors accordingly. So, Kind of in closing, any final thoughts you want to share with the listeners? Um, sure, a couple. Uh, you know, because organizations are dynamic and hopefully they're improving over time, you know, metrics should not be static. They shouldn't be cast in concrete, okay? The metrics can, should and can change over time as the organization changes. And as the organization gets better at becoming lean, the metrics should become lean and the targets for those metrics uh, should be uh, changed also in the sense that they should be changed to make them tighter, more difficult to achieve. Okay. Um, you don't want metrics that you can, it's a layup. Okay. You, because you're not challenging people, you're not challenging them to, to be better. You know, if you go back to the whole concept of respects for people, the fundamental concept behind that is to uh, to have people become as good as they are capable of becoming. Okay, so metrics will help push them to understand that they can do more, they can do better, 
the, the other thing, and this may sound strange coming from a financial guy, uh, but you know, just because you can count something doesn't mean you should. Uh, I have seen have some health healthcare organizations that count stuff that you shake your head saying, why are they expending resources to do that? Now, I understand some of it is required by regulation, but a lot of it isn't. And uh, conversely, not everything that counts can be counted. You know, I don't, I don't know how to measure culture. I've never, I've never seen anybody, they exist, but I've never seen anybody come up with a good metric for culture. Okay. On the other hand, when you're in an organization and if there's a good culture, you can sense that. And if it's a bad culture, you can sense that too. So. That helps that, that, and, and since in this podcast, we talk a lot about culture and, and principles that's that's probably a great message to end on is it's it's a tough thing to measure but focus on the things you can and focus on the things that make a difference and get you better there you go so Ori, thank you so much for joining us today peter i've enjoyed it thank you and i want to thank everybody for listening please visit createvalue.org to find resources that can help you lead in the constantly changing healthcare environment all of us at catalysis hope you stay healthy and as always we thank those who are working on the front line to keep us all healthy. Stay tuned for more episodes designed to help healthcare leaders support their organizations on a journey to organizational excellence. Thank you for listening. Visit createvalue.org slash the lens to learn more about how catalysis can inspire you to accelerate change in your organization.